0: This is Apply the Word, the teaching ministry of Pastor Ty Orr and Water Springs Church. Here's a preview from Pastor Ty of today's message.
1: He's a man of the Word, he's reading it, and this understanding comes to him. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need to be hearing and listening and studying the Word of God. What an example for us. Daniel studied the word of God. Now you think of Daniel, and you go, wow, Daniel, man, we're reading his words in the word of God, but yet Daniel was a man of the word. Who else in the scriptures was a man of the word? How about Jesus?
0: As Daniel, a great man of faith, prayed to God, it was with the knowledge and awareness of God's promises and covenants. He valued God's Word, and he sought to truly understand it. He trusted what it said. Today, Pastor Tai will encourage you to likewise be a man or woman of the Word. God's Word informed Daniel's prayers and his faith. He understood humanity's condition, and he knew God's character, and he prayed accordingly. The more time you spend in the Bible, your faith will grow strong and you'll live a more godly life. Now here's Pastor Ty in the book of Daniel chapter 9 as he begins his message, 70 Weeks of Daniel.
1: 66 years after Daniel had been exiled. So it's been 66 years since he left Jerusalem and he he left his homeland. It's been 66 years. It's a long time to be gone from your homeland, to be exiled in another country. And so this is a big event. And it says here, In the first year of Darius, the son of Hazarus, in the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books, the numbers of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he had accomplished 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So this big event, I and mean, this is an open door, this change of leadership right now. So for where Daniel is, it's the first year of the reign of Darius. And so you understand what's going to happen is there's, this is going to open up the doors for the Jews to go back to Jerusalem. They're going to be able to go back. And under the leadership of Nehemiah, they are going to go back under Ezra, rebuild the temple. That, that's going to happen. At this point, those events have not yet happened, but it is this change of leadership which is going to allow that to happen. This is going to create the liberation for the Jews because that first invasion that happened in 605 B.C. Now, there's something else that we see here now in verse 2 is we see that Daniel was a man of the word. I want to encourage you to dare to be a Daniel in your life. Be a man or a woman of the word of God. Not as in you read the Word of God as a little bit here or there when you have an opportunity, but you say, I'm going to really read the Word of God that I might understand the Word of God. Daniel is in a very interesting place at the moment for... There are so many prophets that have written prior to the captivity, asking God's people to repent. And in, those, and in those words was the promise of 70 years of captivity. How long has Daniel been there? He's been there for 66 years. And what's happening? Well, he is reading the word of God. He's a man of the word. He's reading it. And this understanding comes to him. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to be hearing and listening and studying the word of God. What an example for us. Daniel studied the word of God. Now you think of Daniel and you go, wow, Daniel, man, we're reading his words in the word of God, but yet Daniel was a man of the word. Who else in the scriptures was a man of the word? How about Jesus? Jesus was a man of the word when he was confronted by Satan. How did he respond? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. That's how Jesus responded because Jesus was also a man of the word. Daniel is a man of the word. And what's happening is he's reading in the book of Daniel. And if you look at, by the way, if you take a moment when you go home and you look at the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to realize that every one of those men in the hall of faith were men of the word. All those that we see who do great things for God are great men and women of the word of God. If you want to be great for the kingdom of God, you want to be great for the Lord, be great in the things of the word of God, that you would know the word of God and how to present it and understand it and share it with others. But if you would, would you turn with me for a moment? Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 25. So let's turn back. Jeremiah was written prior to the captivity. It's one of those books where there's a cry out. God is crying out to his people saying, repent, repent. You're going the wrong direction. If you don't stop, you're going to go into captivity. So you need to change what you're doing. And what happens, we see here in Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11. So Jeremiah 25, verse 11. And it says, And the whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of where? Babylon. Babylon, 70 years. Imagine if you're Daniel... And you're reading through Jeremiah. And as you read through Jeremiah, you're understanding, yeah, we were disobedient. We messed up. We didn't obey God's word. We really found ourselves, we were in trouble. We, and now we're, we're paying the consequences for it. And all of a sudden you read where it says that this desolation is gonna be 70 years. And you realize that you have been part of that and it's been 66 years. You begin to realize at this point, something's about to change. Could you imagine his excitement? And that's what's happening. Daniel's excited. He's seeing the word going, wow, this is going to happen. It's been 66 years. There's there's only a few years left and something's going to change. Well, if you go over to chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29, and so many of us are familiar with with chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, that you might have a future and a hope. The thing is, is we have a tendency to not start at verse 10. Listen to what verse 10 says. He says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you, speaking to his people, and to perform my good word towards you, his people, and cause you to return where? To this place. And then it says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace, not of evil, that you might have a future and a hope. That promise, Jeremiah 29, 11, is for the Jewish people. And it's for the Jewish people who have been in captivity for 70 years. So this is what's happened. Daniel here, gets going back to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel has read that. But listen to what it says. It says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books, the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord. It's God's word. Only God knows the end from the beginning. It is God who gives us prophetic word. So God knows the end from the beginning. It's the word of God through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Babylon or the desolations of Jerusalem, sorry. Now he goes on in verse three and he says, then I set my face towards the Lord to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting sackcloth and ashes. So prayer, this communion with God, he realizes God is about to do something. He says, "You know what? I need to commune with God. I need to have this time with God." So, for us, you know, if we think about if you want if you need an outline for prayer, there's several that you can see in the scriptures, the Lord's prayer, or the model prayer that we see in Luke and Matthew. But there's a way to think about it. Think about acts. So, you start with this, the word acts is an acrostic. Adoration adoring God. He is worthy of all of our praise. We worship him. He gets adoration. God, you are wonderful. You are holy. You are great. And when you do that, you humble yourself. And this is what Daniel's doing. He's humbling himself. The second thing, and then the idea of acts. So A is adoration. C is confession. So we come with confession. See, God, I've I've sinned. I've messed up. I've been wrong. So adoration, confession. The third thing, Thanksgiving would be the next thing in Acts. So Thanksgiving, so God, I confess, I'm thankful for my forgiveness, I'm thankful for you, I'm thankful for the things that I have. And then the supplication, coming to God and saying, this is something that I need, but it only comes, supplication is a humble request. It's a humble request, it's not a demand, it is a humble request. You have to remember that God is not a vending machine. Right, I put in prayer, I get out my thing. That's not how this relationship works. He's God, we're not. We worship him because he's worthy. We worship him if we get nothing. Did you know that? Did you know we worship God if we get nothing from him? Did you know that we need to confess our sins if we get nothing? We need to be thankful even if we get nothing. And we need to come with our supplications asking as if it doesn't matter if we get anything. Because it's humility, knowing that he's God and his will is perfect. So he sets his face towards the Lord God. This commitment, he commits, and this is the fruit of his repentance. He says, I come to God, he's making requests by prayer, the supplication, that idea of a humble request from a supreme authority. So he he comes with these supplications, and fasting, sackcloth, ashes. What, What does that all speak of, fasting, sackcloth? It speaks of humility, being humbled. Do you remember what happened when Nineveh heard the message? Now you understand it was more than just Nineveh heard the message to repent. You understand that there was a man who'd been puked up by a fish. Now the man had hung out three days in stomach acid. I'm sure he didn't look like we would think he might look. Consider a man who's been bleached white with no hair, who smells of fish puke, who walks into your city and says, repent or God is going to destroy you. And he's angry because he knows that God will forgive them if they repent. So he's coming with a real strict message, fix it or die. What happened? And and they repented from the king to the cows. They, They put sackcloth on their animals. They repented and God relented. So here is Daniel, and he's in this way, sackcloth, ashes, fasting. He's realized that, you know, I recognize, and he's recognizing the failure of the people Israel. And so he starts here in verse 4, and let's go ahead and start there. He says, And I prayed to the Lord my God. When we pray, do we know that God is our God. And made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, and with those who keep his commandments. Now, you understand that was adoration, wasn't it? He didn't come right away asking. He came with some adoration. He said, God, you are God and you are great. You keep your covenants and your mercy. But he says that to those who keep the commandments, do you guys remember what happened when, at the end of Moses' life? Yeah. And they went in and they got up, one, one part of them got up on, on Mount Gerizim and the part got on the other mountain and they're there and they're proclaiming the curses and the blessings. Do you remember that? If you honor God, blessing, blessing, blessing. If you're disobedient, curse, curse, curse. And so we go, this Deuteronomy goes back and it speaks of, look, if you obey God, you're going to be blessed. If you don't obey God, you're going to have problems. And so what happened to them? Well, they were not obedient to receive the blessing, so they were disobedient, so they were receiving the discipline, and that's what's happening. They're receiving the discipline. He recognizes that God kept his commandments. Do you realize that in his mind, yep, God kept his commandments. We didn't obey. We weren't blessed. We got disciplined because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. By him, his very act of acknowledging God keeps his commandments in his heart, he's acknowledging that God kept his commandment to discipline his children because he loves his children. And he says this, he starts, this is the first time of four that we're going to see, he says this, he says, we have sinned and committed iniquity and we have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. He says, man, we, we did it. We've sinned. Daniel, one man praying to God. And what does he do? He takes on the sin of all the people. I would be remiss if I did not do the same. Lord, forgive the sins of the church. Forgive our sins. Forgive us. It's not just me. It's all of us. We need to to ask God to forgive all, all of us, because we're all sinners. We all make mistakes, and we need God's mercy because we don't want to have sin live in the church. Sin exists because we're sinners, but we don't want it to get root. We don't want it to get a hold, and and when we're all as the church, we're all coming to God saying, God, forgive us. Forgive us all. It helps us to remember that we're all sinners, too. It helps us to remember that person next to us is a sinner, and when they act like a sinner, we shouldn't freak out because they're a sinner, right? That whole concept of, of, you know, he's remembering, saying, we have sinned and we've committed iniquity. Verse 6 says, "'Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets.'" who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. God spoke to all of them. God's word came to everybody, and they all rebelled against it. So it wasn't just the king who was responsible. It wasn't just the princes who were responsible. It wasn't just the fathers. It was all the people were responsible for the word of God. We've talked about church and body life a little bit in the last few weeks on Sundays, but I want to bring it back up again. Do you understand that the idea is we are all responsible for the Word of God. I am not responsible for all of your devotions. I'm responsible to equip you to be better with your devotions because I'm equipping the saints for the work of ministry. When you minister to your families, when you're ministering to your husband or your wife or your kids, ministering to the stranger or the neighbor, you are doing the work of the ministry. And it's not that I am to do it all for you, it's we all do it together. You understand, when I study, I'm learning. And I would pray that when you are studying, you are learning. And you are growing and desiring the meat of the word of God. You would want it so richly poured into your life. And so he says here, neither have we heeded your commandments which you spoke. God spoke to all of them and yet they rebelled. But I want you to realize that God spoke in times past. But who is he speaking through now? He's spoken through Jesus Christ. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter one, it says in verse one, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So just kind of speaking exactly what Daniel's saying. So Daniel's saying, hey, you've spoken to the fathers, you've spoken to the people, you've spoken to all of us. Here, the writer to Hebrews says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he has made the worlds, who, being in the brightness of his glory, in the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had By himself, purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus, God has spoken now through Jesus. How important is it that we listen to Jesus? Very, very important that we listen to what Jesus has said. So let's go back and let's look at this. So he says here in verse 7 now of Daniel chapter 9, he says, oh Lord, righteousness belongs to you. (laughs) Don't you love that? Look, we've sinned. Righteousness belongs to you. You know what that means? Righteousness doesn't belong to us, does it? Right? Righteousness does not belong to us. Our righteousness before God is as filthy rags. There's nothing we can do to be made right except for be covered in the blood of Jesus, our righteousness is the righteousness of Christ. There is no other righteousness in our lives. It's the righteousness of Christ. But he goes on to say, but to us, shame of face. (laughs) I love that. He says, to you belongs righteous, to us, shame of face. That's us. We're a mess. As it is this day, to the the men of Judah, sorry, to the, sorry, to us, shame of face, as it is this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those near and those far off, in all the countries with which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. What does God want from us? Have you ever wondered that? What does God want? I mean, sometimes people set up all these really crazy hoops. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like all this crazy stuff that you have to do. You do this and you do I gotta love you. You do this and you do this and you do this. What does God want? God wants you. God wants your heart. He wants your love. He wants your fellowship. That's what he wants from you. He doesn't, he doesn't want all this crazy stuff that we create. He wants you. He wants that fellowship with you. And and you know, do we have love and fellowship to God? Or are we in a place where we're just being unfaithful to him? He wants us to be faithful. And so Daniel's saying, look, we've messed up. I know it. Oh, Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. It's the second time now in confession. This the whole section, he's confessing, he's saying, we have sinned. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him. All right, this is beautiful because he said, we've sinned, we've messed up, shame of face to us, righteousness to you. We have really blown it. But I love what he says, but to you belongs what? Mercy and forgiveness. The rod of discipline did not mean that God has withheld his mercy. When you are disciplined by God, it does not mean God is withholding his mercy. It means he's keeping his love and mercy upon you because he cares for you. They rebelled, but God preserves us as he punishes us because he loves us, he cares for us. Hebrews chapter 12 says, "If, if you know what? If you're a child of God, he's gonna spank you. <laughs> that's a paraphrase, but that's what he says. If you're a legitimate son, you will be punished by God. If you're an illegitimate son, he won't punish you because a son, a father does not punish children not his own. And so these are his people. And he said, I love you enough to bring the rod of correction. As a parent myself, I love my children enough to bring correction into their lives. I love them enough to care for them, to bring correction into their lives. And God loves me enough that every time I do it, God is speaking to me. It is an amazing thing. Those of you who are parents, you know how this goes, right? You're like, don't. God says, yep. You're like, that's, that's the wrong way to behave. And God says, yes, that's right. But God's not speaking to the child. Who's, the, who's God speaking to? Us. He speaks to us as parents. We're trying to discipline our children and the whole time, God through the Holy Spirit saying, yep, you need to apply that to your life. You need to do the same thing. You need to tell the truth. You need to be diligent. You... God speaks to us as, as we are, because we are under his correction. I love being under God's correction because I know his correction comes with his mercy and his grace. God did not rev- remove his love because discipline was present. Because discipline was present It revealed his love. And so he says in verse 10, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servant to the prophet. Of course, the voice of Jesus now speaks to us. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as to not obey your voice. Therefore, the curse of the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because, the third time, we have sinned against him. God said in his word, if you don't obey, you're gonna be punished. They didn't obey. Guess what happened? <gasps> Amazing, God kept his word. It's like, why, we should never be surprised when God keeps his word. If you sow to the flesh of the flesh, you're gonna reap corruption, right? If you sow to the spirit of the spirit, you reap everlasting life. That, doesn't that make sense? It's really simple, right? But for some reason, we think, oh, yeah, it applies to somebody else. Have you ever been in that place where you're thinking, that? well, that, that part of God's words for the, like, the bad people, not realizing you're just, you're just sowing sin in your life, and you're just sowing rows and rows of sin, and you know what's going to come out? Sin. And you can't turn around and go, God, why does this happen? Because God says, well, I told you it was going to happen. But you didn't listen. So here it is. You're now reaping what you sowed. Verse 12. And he has confirmed his word, which he spoke against us, and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done, which has been done to Jerusalem. Now, one of the things that God said is, you know what, I'm going to destroy Jerusalem to the point where people are going to go, oh, man, did you see what happened to them? Bring me to
0: Today, Pastor Ty challenged you to know and seek to understand God's Word. For it's through His Word that you begin to understand the character of God, your condition as a sinner, and what promises He'll accomplish. As you learn these things, your prayers and desires will change to reflect God's will more and more. All men and women of faith deeply value the Word of God and use it as a guide to live rightly in this world. The ministry of Apply the Word is made possible by the financial and prayer support of listeners like you. Would you commit to praying regularly for us and for the listeners of this program? Your prayers make a difference and allow you to participate in the powerful ways God is changing lives. Please let us know you'll be praying by dropping us a note at applythewordatwatersprings.net. Would you also pray about donating financially to this ministry? Your contributions are a blessing to us and to other listeners. Donations can be made at watersprings.net, and for gifts of $25 or more, we'll send you our Book of the Month. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to call us at 208-524-4747. That's 208-524-4747. When you're facing troubling times, it could be the correction or discipline of God. He's not a mean man in the sky waiting for you to screw up, but instead, He's a good God who desires to shape your character into what you're meant to be. He must correct you and direct you accordingly. This may come with pain, but it's always in His mercy. When you face discipline, humbly acknowledge it and repent immediately. Thanks for taking the time to be with us today as we studied God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Ty, visit watersprings.net, download our mobile app, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. On behalf of Pastor Ty and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Apply the Word.